Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. It's, uh, it's uh, great to be in the calming shores of Hesperia, Michigan this morning. This is not my first time here. I've never been here, but I've been to uh, Jack's Quick Stop multiple times. And that place has amazing potato wedges. So they are from heaven. They, uh, that, and good chicken wings as well. So um, I'm John. This is my beautiful wife, Heidi. Yay. I have two teenage daughters. Please pray for me. Pray for me. Wow. Still adjusting to teenage life. Uh, been uh, doing life with Andrew and Angela Hughes. I'm sure some of us know Andrew and Angela yeah, great people, and uh, we've been part of the Point Church and uh, have the opportunity uh, these days to do a little bit of traveling around throughout the campuses and uh, talk about Jesus, so uh, a, lot, a lot of fun. We've been talking about growing and building and strengthening, growing, building, and strengthening. Does anybody resonate? Yes, that's what we like. We want to grow, we want to build, and we want to strengthen and uh, love the Bible. Did anybody love the Bible? Come, dang, everybody loves the Bible in here. Well, I'm, I guess we'll just get right to it. I will invite you all uh, to turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. Click with me. Wow, there's a lot of people who have Bibles here. That's amazing. If you bring your Bible to church, you're my favorite. Been in, been in so many meetings lately, and I say, hey, turn with me to Acts 3. And everyone's like, I'm like, uh, excuse me, click with me to Acts 3. Open up your version Bible app, Acts chapter 3. Love the Bible. It's 66 books. It's 44 different authors. It's 1,700 years of history. It's poems. It's prophecies. It's stories. It's about grace, redemption, and every single page leads and talks about Jesus. That's why I like it. The Bible is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, but it's able to be applied to our lives this morning, August 27th. 2017, it can come in and it can affect us and change us exactly where we're at. The Bible has power. I love, love, love the Bible. It's a bunch of different people from different backgrounds with different issues, with different mamas, with the same daddy coming together to change the world. Am I right? I think so. That's pretty much how I'm reading it. If you will, if you will, Acts sets the compass north on the ingredients that move God's heart. Acts, if you will, is the only book out of the 66 that I believe is still being written. It has 28 chapters, but the story is not yet finished. What will our chapters say? What will the generations after us, what will their story say? Acts chapter 3, verse 21, it says that Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. We're not quite there yet this morning. The chapters are still ongoing. That's why I like the book of Acts, because it comes into our current circumstances and meets us where we're at, and then we can go from there and, and develop our further chapters. One day we will see the end of the book. But the story has not yet 
finished. So I've, uh, well, I've been talking about Acts like all year. So uh, we're having a lot of fun with it, but there's a lot of things that 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 are as potent as dynamite in Acts that again we can take and apply to our lives. Acts chapter two. If you're a, a charis- if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know Acts chapter two. If you're a charismatic, that's your bread and butter. You just you just live there. You're like, hey, let's go to Acts two. Um, uh, a lot of people have preached a lot of sermons out of Acts chapter two. We like Acts chapter 2, this story of this new community um, launched by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 120 people devoted to following a new way, devoted to an upper room, devoted to waiting in eager anticipation, devoted to the teachings of a man called Jesus, devoted to a city that wasn't their own, devoted to fellowship, devoted to giving, devoted to unity. That's Acts chapter 2. And then all of a sudden, power came. Filled the place where they were seated. Unity commanded a blessing. Acts 2, unity commanded a blessing, and that that blessing is both inwardly but yet outwardly. They first hit the balcony. Then they rush into the streets with a boldness an excitement, a fervor, and and the community was affected by it. Communities will always be affected by churches that move in power. Okay, I'm going to say that over on this side louder. Communities will always be affected by churches that that move in power communities are always touched with a group of believers that have been called out with presence communities will always be changed by those with enough fortitude to wait things out in order to continuously bring an encounter we have to have one To be a people of presence, we have to be in presence to then release presence. That's Acts chapter 2. Hey, the city is going to encounter us because we just encountered him. That encounter starts to travel. You know, there's a 100,000 people in Jerusalem at this time. A 100,000 people. They all of a sudden then are in bewilderment. They're in awe. Uh, of the sound of their own languages being heard. People uh, now all of a sudden starting to meet this Jesus for the first time. Galileans transformed to Christians in an instant. Disciples now with a created platform for their apostleship. It was a time of transformation, a time of restoration, and a time of creation. When the Holy Spirit comes, things get transformed. When the Holy Spirit comes, things get restored. When the Holy Spirit comes, people get set free. Chains are broken. People are anointed in their giftings. All of a sudden you see Peter who was denying Jesus, cussing like 50 days earlier. Then at Pentecost, he's getting ready to preach to the multitudes. 
He was angry about 50 days ago. I don't even know him. I don't know. Had to use the bleep word. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes and he's preaching to the multitudes. There was a response. There was an action. And and things were starting to happen. The church goes from 3,120 to 5,000 to 12,000 to 35,000 in an instant. You ready? Oh, we're going we're going to need to move to the gym. You know, the Luke is the author of of Acts and it's a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Luke actually writes more of the New Testament than Paul does. Sentence-wise, I think Paul did 13 books, but Luke's writing between the gospel and Acts is he writes more of the New Testament than anyone else. Luke is an amazing writer because he's very detailed. He's a doctor. He's smart. He's not like Mark. If you read the gospel of Mark, he's kind of like, yeah, this is what happened. Luke is very, very detail oriented. He's very, very smart historian, in fact, theologian. And and Luke writes with such such great detail. But in Acts chapter 243, I need you to catch this before we go to three. In Acts 243, he says something absolutely amazing. And it says this. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many? (laughs) Many miraculous signs. How many? Many. How how many? Many. Um, there's a lot of them. I can't count them. I can't I can't put a number. I can't put a number on the amount of miracles that are being done. Now, if you ask me, the Bible's not shy on numbers. Moses wandered for 40 years. They marched around the Jericho wall seven times. There's, a, there's two fish and five loaves, and uh, Jesus was 30, 33. And the Bible is not shy on numbers. I think there's a book at the beginning of the Bible called Numbers. The Bible ain't shy on numbers. You ever read through Numbers? Don't lie. You ever read through you ever read through Genesis? It's like Adam was nine hundred and thirty-eight years old and, and Seth was nine hundred and forty-six years old. And, and the Bible is exactly exactly pinpoint detail, but you get to Luke, the most detailed author in, in the whole New Testament, and Luke is gonna say how many miracles? I can't even count them. But then we turn the page. And he gives us one. Now, if you have a lot to choose from, the one that you do choose will be significant. I I, I like things. I I like cars and baseball cards and I I like things but if people ask me to choose one hmm you're going to choose wisely 
And when we turn to Acts chapter 3 after Luke has the audacity to say there's many, but there is this one miracle. Because when I got a million to choose from, the one that I give you is going to hold weight. And then we turn to Acts chapter 3, and all of a sudden we see Luke start to unfold the one miracle out of many. And it says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John one day went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame for birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the, the gate called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Well, when Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for some money. But Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, uh, look at us. And the lame man looked at them and, and, and expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I can give to you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, you get up and walk. And Peter grabbed him and took him by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood on his feet. He began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking, heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Would you guys pray with me? Father, right now, we ask you for your grace and for your mercy and for your help. Lord, invade this space and help us, Lord. Help us to go through your word here and change us, Lord. Let us leave here today different from when we came in. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Gotta love a good amen. Peter and John, in line with the Bible narrative, were continuing in their devotion to prayer. Thousands of people at this point coming to know Jesus, and their devotion was still to pressing in on God. Revivals are birthed in prayer. And these two men have a lot on their plate and probably even more now that the floodgates have opened. But their devotion was to pressing in on God. 3,000 people saved in an afternoon. <sighs> we would be so busy with our startup classes and our programs and stewarding to, 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 to wield this movement and praying for the next words to say, we were probably both getting and staying full. We would be in, in, in some, some stuff if 3,000 people came in this building in a day. But their devotion seems to still be to prayer. They were on their way to the temple to pray. I, 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 you can't miss this. It's, now, it's somewhat interesting that this was probably after a de decade after Jesus had gone, and they still had temple traditions. Okay? Things, some, some things take time. 
But they were on their way to the temple maybe 10 years after Jesus had went, and it said that they were on their way at 3 p.m. Now, 3 p.m. in the crucifixion story is the ninth hour. Because it says, like, at noon, everything went dark, and then in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. That's 3 p.m. And so Peter and John at that 3 p.m. are still going to the temple. You see, our prayer lives must always be exactly in line with the cross. And, and when it comes to the resurrection, you can't ever, you can't ever go in neutral. But there's power when you pray in line with the cross. And when we pray in that direction, it will bless the heart of God and adds things to us far greater than financial support. When you pray in that direction, it's far richer than both silver and gold. So it was at 3 p.m. and they were on their way to the temple to pray, reminiscing about the time that the world changed. At 3 p.m. About the ninth hour. It's not a surprise why things were happening the way they were happening because they were exactly in line with the resurrection. Let's have a player meeting at 3 p.m. <laughs> There's power in prayer. These two boys had this very figured out. I just want to take a couple of minutes this morning about... 16 minutes. I just have a couple of points this morning out of the Bible. Things that I have picked out of this story that I believe that will help us as we reach out to help others. And the first one is this. It, it says this in, in one of the first lines there. It says the beautiful gates. In the shadows of beauty. And it's very interesting how this is worded. But Peter and John both had uh, the ability to discern and recognize where this guy was at. He was in the shadows of beauty. Acts chapter 3 says this. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms from those who were entering the beautiful gate. And, and there's a second century historian, this guy by the name of Josephus. Anybody ever heard of Josephus? Ah, well done. And I was digging through some stuff on the internet, and I found that Josephus actually had written this about the beautiful gates of the temple. And he, and he says, they were made of the finest Corinthian brass, 70 feet, 75 feet high with huge double doors. They were so great that they far surpassed those that were only covered in mere silver and gold. 75 feet high, greater than those that were merely covered in silver and gold. And then it said it took 20 men to open and close them. You know that scripture that says, swing wide, you heavenly gates. 
20 men to open these beautiful gates. And every day this man was carried to beg in beauty. And and the truth of the matter is, is that our areas have this going on a little bit. See, because we don't live in garbage dumps or the most low poverty areas that we can imagine, but there's still people that are tucked in the shadows and hiding in gates that are called beautiful. You know, there's people and they don't need to be in the most remote places in the earth because they're actually in our backyards if you think about it. And there's people in the grocery stores and the school systems and the sporting teams and the farmers markets and the shopping malls and the soccer moms with their mini vans those people can also hide in the shadows of gates that are called beautiful and there's many people dwelling this where this way but there's something in it to be able to determine and recognize the people that are tucked away in the shadows of gates that are called beautiful because people cry out in different ways his spirit is an amazing little town Village, town. It means beautiful garden. There's people in this beautiful garden that are hiding in the shadows. It just looks a little bit different. You don't need to go uh, to the th- to third world countries are these remote mission trips to find people who are unable to walk, who are bankrupt spiritually, and in desperate hurt. They are very close. See, the mandate of this is Something about the growth that was happening then was the ability to recognize those that were in the shadows. The brilliance of Peter and John is that they simply had this ability to be involved. They just simply recognized what was hiding in the shadows of gates that are called beautiful because it's very easy to do that. Wow. Those gates are amazing. Wow. We're here. We're here again. Whoa. (laughs) Yep. Every day. Over and over and over again. I've done that a lot. But what can happen in a second of time when you simply just have the ability to discern Something going on here. Let me stop for just a second. A lot of the times, I think our breakthrough and our ability to see God move is something that we probably step over daily. (laughs) You know? Oh, man, I wish God would do something today. I just don't know what he's going to do it. Wow, I think God's going to move today. Man, he's still there? Wow. That could potentially be the very thing that God wants to do. 
And I'm the worst at it. I'm one of these guys that, you know, 80% of the time I'm like the rest of people, oblivious to anything going on around me. We all are. But when we have these times and we let God refresh us and we put ourselves in these situations and we're prayed up and we're stayed up, we start to come into line with what the Holy Spirit wants to do and we'll stop for a moment and we can change somebody's life. I love that Peter and John, they knew what they had. They knew what they had. If you're taking notes, write that down. Number two, Peter and John, they knew what they had. It says it in the Bible story. It says, but Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I can give to you. In the name of Jesus, you get up and walk. I love the direct response there. How freeing is that? It's just freeing to know what you have and do not have. You ever met the people who have everything? They annoying. You met them people? Oh, brother, I just want to talk to you. I, I'm, a, I'm a worship leader, deacon. I'm a pastor, preacher, prophet. I think I'm an apostle. And... Uh, I'm an amazing, uh, I'm an amazing fighter. Uh, I play pro basketball. You're like, wow, God didn't spare any expense when he made you, did he? You're a really talented. You just, you find these people. Oh, man, I, I can do this, that, this, that. You're like, mm, wow. No, no. But what's worse is the people who don't think they have anything. Oh, what's worse is the people who don't think they have anything. That's really bad. Oh, I wish I could do something. Wow. Man, if I just had one skill, one ability, uh, that's so worse. Like, man, you should hang out with him. You could just borrow three of his talents and you'd be really good. Just split them up a little bit. Everybody has something to give. Everybody. Hey, can I get a dollar? No, I don't have any money. I'm broke. I don't have no silver, no gold, no quarters, no dollars, nothing. But I do have this. And this will change your life. Far better than a hot dog and a Coke. I got something that's going to change you for a long time. I might not be financially rich, woo, but I'm rich inside. I'm prayed up. I'm stayed up. I got the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to change the world around me. Man, please don't talk to me about no money right now. I got a good mindset right now, and I got something far greater than financial support. You begging for alms, you need arms. That's what you need. You don't need alms. You need legs. You don't need a dollar. A dollar is going to keep you here. But what I have is going to change your life forever. The good thing is, is that we all have that gift. Everybody in this room this morning has the ability to stop, take a second, be interruptible, reach out, 
and change somebody's life. That's all you got to do. You just got to be able to be interrupted. It's hard because people do this. Yes, excuse me, man. This is what people do everywhere. He does. Um, huh? Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. I got YouTube. We are so busy on these telephones. I have two teenage daughters. Phone on either hand. They got amazing batteries. And when that runs out, they just hook to a cord. We sleep with our phones next to our bed. We check the news feed before we get out of bed every day. I can't get out of bed because I got to see first what's going on on the news feed. What are you eating? What are you planting? What are you going? And what are you complaining about? That's all it is. And now you can like it, heart it, get mad at it, laugh at it, whatever. Cry. Wow. Wow. People just tear that Facebook up. It's not helping change our world. Oh, I'm bad at it. I love it. I'll take a picture, put it on Instagram, update my Facebook. I do it. I like it. I mean, it has its place. But people these days are so, man, could you imagine? That guy would have been there 80 years. People would have been like, huh? Man, I got to check into the temple today. Don't. Yeah, checked in. Hey. Hey, what's your name? I'm going to tag you in this. You're like, wow, it's Peter. You've been with me. Peter slash the rock. Check me in. <laughs> I'm the rock. You're the son of thunder. We're checking into the temple this evening. Uninterruptible. You have to be able to be interrupted. That could be the, one of the greatest miracles that happened in this whole story is that they were able to have the ability to stop for a second. Because we're not prone to that anymore. We don't like that. We're, we're people of convenience. We're people of habit. We like things fast. I, I, I got coffee this morning. There was somebody in front of me. I was a little bit like, wow. One guy ordering $20 of food. I'm like, $20? Just get a coffee and go. You don't need six iced teas. And then he's like, can I get a muffin too? I'm like, oh, muffin. Wow. You know if someone's in the drive-thru ahead of you and you hear their order, they're like, yeah, I like the number one. And the number two and the three, you're like, oh, wow, wrong person. We have to be able to take the time because when we take the time and we stop at beautiful gates outside of temples and we reach down, people's lives get changed. You got to be able to know the gift that is inside of you and the promise of, of the Bible and the promise of heaven to you all here today is that you do have that beautiful gift. You're anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus in your heart to change your life. He's in you for your benefit, but he's on you for someone else. And that's a gift. If you came with a dollar... That's your gift. If you came with a million, you got that gift too. We all have that gift. Now, I just need to work on being able to stop for the one.
That's when everything changes. Heidi Baker, revivalist, orphan, amazing lady. She has this one saying that I'll never forget. And she just said, hey, all I do is stop for the one. She's changing the continent. How do you do that? I stop for the one. Just one at a time. Like they always say, if one person brought one person to church once a year and they got saved, you double in one year. Doesn't seem so hard. All I got to do is find one person in the shadows of beauty. I bring them once out of the 52 times a year, they meet the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, and the church doubles in one year. It's not so bad. If you did it twice, that would be instrumental growth. You just got to be able to stop. Number three is this. I want to hold your hand as I look into your eyes. I want to hold your hand as I look into your eyes. I like R&B. Sorry. It's the only thing I had. But in the Bible, these guys also had a beautiful ability to be intimate with Jesus. It says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Peter... And John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And then he took him by the right hand and helped him up. See, I want to hold your hand as I look into your eyes. See, Peter had this great sense of remembering the eyes of Jesus. See, The three years with walking with the Messiah has proved to be very profitable for Peter because Peter remembered. Peter was tuned in. Peter was 100% invested. He knew the eyes and the look of Jesus. It It was Peter on the lake. There's a story. Like Peter was on the lake, and Jesus remained behind praying. And then all of a sudden, the The boys were crossing the lake in the middle of the night, and Jesus came to them walking on the water, and they thought it was a ghost. And Peter says, no, that's the Lord. And he said, tell me to come to you on the water. And Peter got out of the boat. That's a word right there. But he got out of the boat and he was, had his eyes on Jesus. He had his gaze fixed on Jesus. And he had the ability to walk on the water. And it wasn't until he then took his eyes off of Jesus that he began to sink. See, it was the same Peter in Luke 22, in the greatest moment of all of history. In Luke 22, it's the epicenter of human history. It's the crucifixion. It's Jesus on the cross. This is it. 
And Peter was here at this story, and it says this in Luke 22. It said, but Peter said, man, I don't know who you are talking about. And immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You see, Peter knew the eyes of Jesus. Peter knew that look. This is the last time that I see you on this side. But then you fast forward to this story. And it said that, well, Peter looked at him. Intently. That man had the eyes of Jesus. He had that love and that grace and that mercy because he carried the very look that Jesus carried. There's something very, very powerful about being intimate with the Lord. About Seeking his face. We say, I want to seek his face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to, I want to seek his face today. You start getting that type of gaze going on. Start to carry the look of Jesus. And it said that he, he reached down. And he grabbed him by the right hand. (laughs) and he helped him up because you see I've already recognized you in the shadows of gates that are called beautiful you see and I'm I know what I have and I don't have and I'm intimate with God and I know his look and you know what I'm interruptible and I'm able to stop for the one and today is your day look at me you're gonna see a little bit of what I see and he grabbed that man by the right hand He said, hey, (laughs) you've been an outsider. Oh, but today, you're an insider. You've been here for 40 years, but today, you walk. In an instant. And that man's life was changed forever. Woo! Why in the world does Luke tell this story out of many? Why does he share this one if there's millions? Why in the world does he share this story? What does this story have to do with the eons of time? Why are we reading this miracle and it's still 2,000 years after? Why are we so concentrated on this miracle? And I can tell you this. It has, it has something to do with, with what happened to the man. 
It says this, and it's crazy, but it says that when Peter reached down and grabbed the man by the right hand and he approached him with the eyes of Jesus, it says this in Acts chapter 3. He said he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Okay? His feet and his ankles were made strong. But you see, in the ancient world and in Jewish teaching, it was commonplace to associate physical outward injuries with inside qualities. They would judge a book by its cover. At one point in time, the disciples were walking with Jesus, and they walked by a man born blind, and they said, who sinned, him or his mom? Something went wrong because he's blind. So either he's bad on the inside or his mom is. Jesus said, oh, neither. That's there for the glory of God. But see, walking by the man at the temple, he had bad feet, bad ankles. They were like, wow, sinner. Bad guy. And, and you know, I was, even, I was even looking into this, and there's a first century author, a man by the name of Admantius, and he writes about these type of people in first, in first century Judaism. And, and it says this about this guy. And it says, he starts to write about these physical characteristics, and he starts to explain this. And he says, perfect and solid ankles belong to a noble man. Outstanding in character and very upright. Those with soft ankles and smooth to a more unmanly man. And those which are thin and weak, they belong to a cowardly, intemperate man. And those who have thick ankles and thick heels and fleshy feet and Stubby toes and thick calves are, for the most part, stupid and mad. And they should most certainly be put out of the fold. You see, when Peter reached down and he grabbed that man by the right hand, Oh, he became right on the outside. But he really became well on the inside. That changed everything. He went from stupid and mad to a noble man. He went from somebody that was living in sin to an upright citizen. Because there's just no way in the world that you would ever enter the temple like that. So what had happened is he said, hey, you're not only whole on the outside. Oh, no. Jesus has made you whole on the inside. 
See, when he grabbed that man, everything changed for him on the inside. Everything changed for him in the eyes of the people. See, he was an outsider, but he was now all of a sudden in the insider. And yesterday he couldn't worship, but now he can worship full. And Jesus can heal anything. But the greatest miracle is the healing that takes place on the inside. That's the greatest miracle. New feet and ankles are amazing. But a new heart restored in an identity and a restoration that's happened on the inside is so forever. These will waste away, but what's inside will live forever. And that's the power of the miracle. Is that, yeah, something happened on the outside, but the true miracle, and this is the miracle that's shared out of many, 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 many miracles, is no, this is the miracle. When they healed him, he became right on the inside. And when we can identify people in gates of shadows that are called beautiful, when we can identify people at our shopping markets and our farmer's markets and when I go to Meyer and when I go to Walmart and when I go to Lowe's and Home Depot and um, ice cream and McDonald's, when I can identify people there in shadows of gates that are called beautiful and when I'm confident and I have the security of what God has called me to because we have that same gift and when we start to recognize that gift, we can start to operate in that gift and then all of a sudden we can have these intimate times like when we worship, we can all of a sudden have these intimate times and then you start to get involved with the face of God and when you carry the face and the intimacy of God along with the gift and along with the ability to stop then you can change people's lives in an instant that's when people all of a sudden are made whole that's what I'm after that's how you become strong and that's how you grow and that's how you build thank you Mr. Luke for sharing that story what does chapter 4 say what does chapter 5 say What does chapter 6 say? And how can that continuously affect our lives? So good. Let's stand. I feel the prey. I feel the prey. Man, I was preaching to myself. I'm like, wow, I don't stop enough. Wow. I, I try to, man, I don't, have, woo, I don't have this figured out. No, I don't. Heidi all the time says, hey, can you be present? I'm like, I'm here. She's like, you're here, but you're not here. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I could do that. Or even talking about it, it's like, hey, yeah, I want to be intimate with the face of Jesus. I want to see Jesus like that. It's like, You know, I just have to carve time out of my days or in my mornings or my evenings. You just have to take the 10 minutes or 15 minutes and, oh, God, oh, I want to see your eyes like that. Trust me, I'm getting after myself this morning. But you know how we're all the same. (laughs) We all got the same issues. But I feel like right now, God, I, 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 I feel right 
now, Lord, we want to have the ability once again, Lord, to open our eyes and help us, Jesus, to recognize people that are hiding in shadows of gates that are called beautiful. God, open our eyes right now, Lord, and this afternoon to help us find people who are hidden away in the shadows. And, 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 and Father, I pray right now for my eyes and I pray for our eyes, Lord, that we want to see you afresh. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to see your eyes. We want to get out of our boats. We want to walk on our water, God, and we want to know your gaze, Lord. We want to know your gaze, and and Jesus, help us this week to be interruptible. Help us, Lord, to have our eyes wander outside of everything we normally look at. And, And Father, I I want to thank you right now for this community, for Revive Church right here. And I thank you, Lord, that communities are affected by churches that move in power. And I thank you, Lord, for your power in this place. I thank you for your power, Lord, on Matt Sarah. I thank you, Lord, that you commission good leaders, Lord. I thank you that, Lord, you're building a strong community, Lord. And everybody in here with hands raised, Lord, let us be a people that are on fire and passionate to win this community and these surrounding communities with a people who carry your presence. Father, we're going to be an encounter because we're going to have an encounter.